Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crypto Hipster Podcast. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, the Crypto Hipster, where I bring you founders, co-founders, entrepreneurs, executives, artists, musicians, you name it, across the world of crypto and blockchain globally, and I have an amazing guest, and I also have to tell everybody this is um, the episode 50 of season five, a final episode of season five, and I am wrapping it up with a great, great guest, and I'm looking forward to this interview, and her name is uh, Christina Rudd. She is the co-founder at Squid. Welcome, Christina. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here at uh, such a pivotal, and not pivotal, but big, big number episode. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, this is going to be awesome. So I appreciate you coming out today and, and uh, let's, let's kick things off. And, and um, I'm interested to hear about your background and is it a logical background for what you're doing now? I'd hope so. So <laughs> I I joined crypto in or professionally in 2018. So I, I then joined Vega, uh, which is somewhat of an app chain for decentralized derivatives. And there, I was one of their early non-technical hires. Um, I sat across a number of non-technical uh, elements that eventually ended up as their head of ecosystem development and community. And through that, I got to travel the world, go to a bunch of crypto conferences and just learn so, so, so much. Back then, it was, you know, beyond beyond Bitcoin and Ethereum, of course, and you know, ICOs um, and a couple of other things that are now lie in the graveyard. A lot of it was very theoretical, um, but I surrounded, I was surrounded by so many smart people just teaching me so much, right? And I was also part of what was basically building another layer one uh, when there was no adoption for for things that already was existing, right? And most people thought that we were somewhat crazy, but as part of my my crypto upbringing, it was indoctrinated into me that the multi-chain world was inevitable when once we had adoption, right? And I'm very happy that that's come alive. Um, prior to that, I was actually in mental health tech, which may not seem logical, <laughs> but it does have some similarities. So first of all, it was early stage tech, um, which, you know, at the end of the day, that is also what we're doing now. Uh, and you're also dealing with things that are hard to quantify, things that are experimental and things that are very, very new. Um, and you're still, you're demystifying and you're, you're problem solving, right? Which is at the end of the day, what part of what we're doing now as well. Uh, before that, I did my master's degree at London School of Economics in philosophy and public policy, which again, may not seem logical, but again, what your philosophy at the core is all about problem solving. And you become incredibly, through very rigorous discipline, um, you become very good at breaking down and finding errors and making, thing, making things logical, which is very annoying if you're arguing with me, but very useful in a business, business sense. And I did go to business school for my undergrad, so that I think is very logical. I have to follow up on the mental health tech because I never hear that about that. What what specifically were you trying to solve or what, you know, areas of the mental health were you trying to improve? So we were looking at the concept of peer support um, and the notion here being it's much easier to go through something if you can be connected to someone who's gone through that before. 
really, really powerful concept. If you can interest, like basically combine that with tech in order to make it scalable, um, you're looking at the ability to, to solve for any problem anywhere for anyone, right? Because the barriers, even though the barriers are really being broken down now with respect to how you can um, how you can access therapy and access support groups, it's still highly stigmatized in, in most places in the world. Uh, and the, what shall I say, like the, the ability to access is, is tough. So we wanted to create a, a scalable way to, to offer this. And we had a couple of um, target target areas because it's it's a really interesting social experiment, right? Because it's how do you connect people? Is it based on life stage? Is it based on just the problem? Is it based on a combination of those factors? How do you moderate it? Like we had experts involved and it was a huge social science experiment um, where we learned a ton and it was, uh, it was really interesting. Really, really interesting. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I interviewed one other person from Vega protocol, like, Toward like several months ago, Barry Mannerings. Yeah, he's my old boss. Amazing. Okay, great. It was a great interview. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, real, not- real. Absolutely. Cool. So now you're, but now now you're on to uh, now you're on to Squid, right? So, what is Squid all about? Why was it created, and what does your future look like? So Squid was born out of a time where we had uh, the layer one wars and we just started having this proliferation of chains Um, and some of them were solving for scalability, some of them were solving for speed, some of them were solving for a bunch of different use cases. But what was happening was that there was a pretty uh, big fragmentation, uh, importantly, most importantly of liquidity, which is one of the biggest no-goes if you're trying to create a capital efficient alternative to financial rail system. Um, And for users as well, it meant that you suddenly had a bunch of different UX. You know, as an industry, we're not very good at creating standards, um, which is fine because we're still early. But what that means is for users that you you end up having to um, learn a whole bunch of new language and tools and wallets and DEXs and all sorts of things every time you want to interact, which is a really big burden. Um, And then you also have for app developers, you have to typically compromise when you're choosing where to deploy, uh, which is also not a great, great situation. So just zooming out a little bit, um, what we really solve for here is basically creating a really what I think is a beautiful UX layer for simple and seamless cross-chain interaction. So what that initially looks like is we enable the swaps of tokens between different chains um, in a way that the users always have native tokens, not these wrapped assets, uh, which was definitely a point on the crypto timeline when you have like, I don't even know the number of different types of tokens and different chains that were all the same representatives, uh, which is UX only the most hardcore crypto believer will uh, accept. Uh, So yeah, just going back a bit to Squid. So we facilitate the the cross-chain swaps. um, And what's really important is that that all happens in one click for the user. So say that you have one token on one chain, you want another token on one chain, another chain, 
you can visit our front end, just plug that into what looks like a very typical um, interface for, for the industry. And we think we've made it very simple and always continuously improving as well. And you only have to do it in one click and it happens in less than 20 seconds, 20 seconds, which is a new feature we've just launched called Boost. Um, but what's super cool is that the swaps is really just the start. Um, our vision is for Squid to be the cross-chain do anything layer. So we actually just launched right before this call now, our first one-click NFT purchase from any chain um, with any asset. And down the line, you can oh, pretty soon as well, you can deposit into an LP position on the DeFi app. Um, and our goal is really to like, be able to have what is um, now one chain experiences into a cross chain experience and, and integrate everything and make it more unified and easier for users and developers. I got to back up for a second here um, because I think I know what you're saying when you say layer one wars, um, but I wasn't in the mix of being a developer of being in it. I've been the podcasters watching it happen. I, what I I just wanted to get your definition and your experience of what those layer one wars were like. They were hectic. So there was bull market, you know, there's, and that means that there's a ton more, ton more capital and people and users and everything. Right. And it was like a real frenzy. Um, and you had a ton of different layer ones kind of coming out basically in opposition to, or competition to Ethereum. Um, and they all launched with huge incentive programs, um, which meant that you had what were these like crazy liquidity mining opportunities. Um, and what that means is that you have a ton of users basically jumping onto that liquidity mining opportunity, and then they jump to the next one and you basically end up with a non-sticky user base, but you have huge, um, surges of volume. Um, and that is a bit of a shame because for, for users, right, it, it meant that it was really, really challenging for the reasons that I, I mentioned before, not to say that what, you know, people call liquidity locusts aren't <laughs> users because they are, but they don't necessarily drive meaningful and sustainable development. Um, and then as the market took a downturn, well, I think another thing to add on that is you had the layer one wars, but then you also had like all these scalability solutions that started emerging because especially Ethereum was being really congested and gas um, gas fees were really high, um, which meant that it was a huge barrier to entry, which is a bit of a shame when you're trying to create an inclusive, um, an inclusive financial system or a system for anything. Uh, and you had all these roll-ups and layer twos starting to emerge, um, which again, very early on were slow, hard to use and just introduced a whole new um, layer of complexity for users. And I think what's important to note here as well is that Squid supports, supports that as well. So now you can enter any of them from any of the chains that you're on um, and, and do that in just one click instead of having to like find the native bridge and then find like the, the decks, get the gas token, which typically is in their native token. And um, we basically, is, we're huge optimization solvers. So for what you typically have to do, spend 
many, many clicks and visit many, many websites and apps, you can just do in one click. I find it interesting that we had all this competition and then the user experience, the UX did not improve, <laughs> you know? Um, so why, at least been my next question then, um, why is it important to have interoperability across blockchains, create a multi-chain world and not just live in a Bitcoin only world? So I think, I think, you know, a lot of people live in a Bitcoin only world. That's, that's fine. <laughs> you know, Bitcoin is, um was a really transformational uh innovation and still is you know um but it's somewhat even though the bitcoin use case is still contested uh, amongst uh, a lot of people i think like the store of value narrative has really been the one that has been the most popular right um and you know on the what shall i say what's the what's the saying Bitcoin walked so other chains could run. <laughs> um, and we've now had so many different chains that have emerged, which again, deliver on this premise of creating a decentralized system that is like free from intermediaries, anyone can access, it's transparent, and it carries all of these really great tenants, um, but it's optimized for for different use cases, right? Like Ethereum is the world computer. You have other chains that are really fast and others that, you know, are really, really slow, but super secure. And um, I think, it, you know, blockchains as, as a core piece of technology has the, has the capability to empower so many different use cases that could really, um, really lead to systemic change in society, uh, which may sound like a broad claim, but I, I think we're, I think we're headed there, <laughs> even though some days it's <laughs> brighter than others. Um, but you know, for the reasons I mentioned previously, these chains they need to be able to speak to each other. If not, you just end up with a completely siloed and um, silo systems that are impossible to use. Right. So the, the so it's crucial to transfer information across bridges. Like, what kind of information and why uh, is that crucial? Like, what? Like, I have an idea why it should happen, but why? Like, why is that imperative that it does? So I think if you if you think about it, um, if you think about it a bit, like in Web two, right. Um, there, all the apps and all the servers and everything is, is like completely interconnected, right? And right now we live in an era where the internet is so easy to use that, you know, it swallows, swallows people's entire life, you know, like some people quite often prefer to be online than offline, which is wild, you know, like the harsh, I mean, there's many different reasons to that. We don't need to get into all of that. Um, but right now we sit in a world where doing anything in crypto is not anything, but I'd say the majority of stuff is, it takes real brain power and it takes a ton of different skills and research. You need to be pretty technical and you need to also be pretty risk averse because there's a lot of, um, design choices that, that lead to a lot of uncertainty. And I think in order to move, I'm not saying, you know, we should get, to a stage where we just live in the metaverse. <laughs> Definitely good to go and touch grass sometimes. Um, 
but in order to get there, we we need to have those capabilities where we can we can transfer information. And I think to get a bit more more practical, so you know, like in order to in order to get to the place where we can have that design space for building um, these applications. So think about if you're building a game on a blockchain that is uh, specifically built for that, and and this is most or this let's see, but this will most likely be a big adoption driver for the entire industry, right? But within that game, you most likely will have a marketplace, right? And building an app-specific chain for marketplace typically is has a different set of requirements than for building a app-specific chain for a game. But if you have something like Squid enabling you to then connect to the chain, uh, that is specifically built for the marketplace. You can do that and really harness um, harness the the benefits of of a multi chain world, um, but still being able to design for your specific requirements for the game as well. So it's this idea, right, that you shouldn't have to compromise. Um, you know, a little bit of compromise here and there, but not to the extent that. Um, we have if we just live on the siloed in the siloed world of chains. I'm gonna I'm gonna back up backtrack a little bit. You said this. You said you just launched Boost this morning, right? Can you go through that before I ask my next question? So we didn't launch Boost this morning, but uh, we did the NFT. We did our first NFT integration into Decent, um, which is really exciting. But I'm happy to to chat through Boost as well. Um, so Boost is this feature that we have that gets cross-chain swaps down to 20 seconds, um, where they typically take between 20 and 60 minutes. They take this time because they typically need to wait on the finality of the destination chain. Um, but what we've done is that we built this feature where your swap gets fulfilled by a service provider that effectively lends you the money. So for the user, um, it's amazing. And they also get to, um, and, oh yeah, sorry. And then in the background, that service provider waits until the swap is gone from the destination chain um, and then they get reimbursed. So I think this is actually a really important point about speed because if you think about anything that we do on online, I'm like, I'm not saying that, you know, Instagram and, and Twitter or formerly known as Twitter X are, are like the perfect applications. But imagine if any of your posts took 20 to 60 minutes to load up. You're never visiting that thing ever again. Um, and and I think so I think like speed is, is is a really critical thing to get right. Thank you. I I, I must have conflated the or combined the two when you said it earlier. So I apologize. <laughs> thank you for walking me through that <laughs> so um i would hate my post to take 60 minutes to load up that, was, that reminds me back of the di the dial-up days <laughs> um so you asked me earlier like what i was doing before i got into crypto and, and i said I, you know i worked at aig i was in the middle office and i was a back office and i you know did reporting and i i was built databases and i was wondering you know from a corporate perspective from like getting these institutions out of the stone age, right? What kind of opportunities are enabled when you bundle transactions and information across bridges? Uh, maybe some of the managers there need to know what's possible. So I think there's, there's a couple of different things there, but at a very high level, 
right? It enables developers um, to create richer experience for users. So if you think about all the different kinds of data that flow over TCP IP, um, like the beauty of that, right, is it's entirely agnostic about what kinds of information that goes between the different servers. And it really doesn't matter if it's like an email or an API call. And like, that's the kind of level that we need to get to when it comes to communication between different chains as well, right? Like it needs to be robust. Um, and it also needs to be very simple to, to orchestrate like complex forms of, of communications between the different apps. So, you know, appreciate that that's not like the specific things, but it really enables because we're dealing more on like the, the digital assets and uh, tokens and, uh, and NFTs and, and these kind of things. So uh, it completely depends what, you know, the, the middle managers and, and back office people are, are trying to achieve, but I'm sure there's a way that we can simplify it and make it easier. <laughs> right. So some of the greatest issues facing users today, we talked about the user experience a couple of times. When they try to communicate across change, chains, um, what are the greatest issues they're facing today? So I think, Cece, I think let's break it down into a couple of things. So security, trust, speed, um, also access, and, and then this notion of gas, right? Um, which, but let's, I can dive into these a little bit. So security, this is an obvious one. So, you know, beyond beyond people being sketchy and going to jail, bridge tax has been the thing that this industry has been the most known for in the last couple of years. It's been the thing that's gotten the most headlines. It's, I don't, actually know the updated number, but it's billions have been lost in, in exploits slash hacks. Um, I think one of the reasons to for this is because for for like we've discussed earlier, right? Like this having this ability to communicate cross-chain is so critical to this industry. People are people take shortcuts because there is so much opportunity. Um, and that those shortcuts typically are at the cost of security, um, which again, people then take the opportunity of, of exploiting. Um, and, you know, experimentation is natural when you're this early in an innovation cycle, um, but, you know, you're you're dealing with like hundreds of millions and billions of dollars and, and you just, you just can't really take um <laughs> take those take those shortcuts so you know there's a couple of different models and they all typically involve different trust assumptions and you know some bridges actually only rely on a handful of actors um typically in like a two or three multi-sig and others are on the like completely different end of the scale and operating in a more decentralized and arguably more secure manner uh, and are secured by like more than a hundred proof of stake validators, right? So that's that's one thing. Um, trust again. I think this I mentioned this a bit earlier, right? Where it's, it's like, how do you actually get to to from chain A to B if you're not using something like Squid? You typically have to interact with, and even when you're using Squid for the first time, right? Like having to interact with a an application for the first time 
can be nerve wracking, especially when you're depositing funds, it's like taking a long time. And then you have to like go deposit to like another place and another place. And you're trying to read up online and like watch YouTube tutorials or read blogs. And it's, it's confusing <laughs> and, and just not trust inducing at all and introduces a lot of uncertainty, um, which is really not, not great. Uh, and then mentioned this a bit earlier, speed um, prior to speed boost. So all cross-chain jobs can take 20 to 60 minutes, you know, to roll up, it can take seven days. It's, it's really crazy um, that this many people, that like this much money has actually gone through systems that are this slow. I think it's a testament to people really believing. Um, and, you know, that's, that's okay. But if we're going to scale and have more users enter these things that we can't, we can't be building systems like that. Um, and then with respect to the access, so, you know, new chains are popping up all the time. And again, accessing these typically involves like understanding something new and even finding out about them. And there's just, I think we're still, um, we're still anticipating to, or putting too high of a a burden on on users when it comes to research. So you know, there's this need to do your research, which is great because you should un understand to a certain extent what you're interacting with. But you know, expecting users to read smart contract code is like not the way to go. You know, um, and then like on the notion of gas as well. So typically, when you enter a new chain. Um, you you need to have their native token to pay gas. And if you haven't swapped into that, then you like send your funds and they're stuck. And then you need to find a, uh, a DEX that has like a supporting pair. And it, it can just be a really, really annoying, um, annoying situation where you can also get stuck. So we actually have a feature on Squid where you can send native gas with your transaction and it's just a little button you press, um, which is handy. I got to dive into those three of these things a little further, you know, trust. I'm in the U.S. We've had all these bankruptcy implosions over the past year, right? We have regulators who are against crypto, right? Uh, How can and why should we trust Squid first in this in this sea of untrustworthiness that has been created here? So there's a couple of different features that we've actually built to to facilitate this. Um, but, but, you know, first of all, trust is something that's incredibly, incredibly challenging to, um, to build. And it's one of those things that, you know, it takes long, long time to build it. And then it can take a second to, um, to erode it completely. So, you know, what we've done on the product side is it's complete. We have status tracking. So on whilst your swap is going on, you can you can press a little button and you can actually follow along um, and see where your funds are and see what's happening. And there's links and everything is like fully transparent and it's you know one of the beautiful things of blockchain, blockchains, right? Um, and then on the community side, you know we the whole team are constantly and always on Discord, can always answer any questions. Uh, we help all the users and and try and do that very consistently. Um, and, you know, what can I say? It's, it's, um, it's, it's a challenging thing. 
uh, it's a super challenging thing, but, you know, we're doing everything we can in order to uh, work with good actors and, and put our, use our expertise to judge that. So users don't have to. Right. And, and I think removing that burden um, is, is really, really critical. So users can, you know, just focus on, on doing what they are there to do. So then security and access. I don't know if you've been from watching like during the downturn, during the, time, the downturn market, we've had, you know, things like Pond and we've had things like uh, Bald and like these gambling tokens that you put your money in, you can't ever get them back, back out, right? What's the challenge there for the user being able to understand access and, and security? So mm, I think um with respect to with respect to the access so we we are deployed on top of axler um which is very much best in game when it comes to cross-chain communication um and they are an incredibly experienced team um and with respect to like what chains we support that's um you know we're very very selective uh about about that um, and and only you know provide access to those that that meet the highest requirements. Um, and when it comes to security as well, so Squid um, doesn't actually hold any liquidity uh, like some some other models do. So there's minimal bridge risk, um, which you know is something that's like incredibly important to us as well. Um, and Again, I think it's just so important, right? That users shouldn't have to shouldn't have to bear this burden, and and it's something that we take very seriously and spend a lot a lot of time figuring out. <laughs> so, what does the future look like for Squids? So, I think you know we are um, we're coming up to a couple of really exciting product launches. So, most importantly, we are, you know, I'm not going to put a timestamp on this, but we are very near opening up access to the Cosmos. So Cosmos is an ecosystem very, very early. Um, and right when it came to, came to their, their thesis regarding app chains. Um, and there's like a lot of great phenomenal tech, but you know, there's not a ton of liquidity or users. Um, but our thesis here is that that's because it's really hard to access. And we're about to um, enable full Cosmos EVM any to any swaps, and you can onboard any top Cosmos chain in one click uh, from any of the EVM chains that we support. Um, so that's super, super exciting. And we have quite a lot of um, exciting marketing campaigns that will go live um, that I won't disclose just yet, but <laughs> it's, it's awesome. And then on, um, on a bit more general level, you know, cross-chain swaps is really the start and we're now entering into the cross-chain anything era, um, which is super exciting because it's this totally new design space and it's gonna, we're gonna learn so much and it's gonna unlock a ton of opportunity and probably, you know, we'll probably come across some use cases that we we hadn't even thought of, right? And um, some applications that are completely new. Um, so I think that's part of what's even most exciting here, right? Is um, 
of course, innovating and in, in making better what exists, but also the possibility to create completely new things. So what do you envision in this cross-chain anything era? So, well, it's like the cross-chain NFTs, it's cross-chain staking, it's cross-chain uh like deposits it's it's you know anything that you can now that you can typically do on a single chain you can do cross chain um and that you know i'm really excited to see the user flows and um and how it will change things it's uh it's a new a new era <laughs> awesome i'm looking forward to this new era uh, yeah. as long as it's growing <laughs> me too well, I want to thank you very much for your time today. I, I really enjoyed talking to you and uh, I loved it. So um, my my final question is this, how can people find more information about you, about what you're doing, about what you're up to? Um, how can they follow you? How can they do any of that? So I am zero X TNA on Twitter and Farcaster, um, but I'm mainly, oh, sorry, X. I feel like this is like a really UX problem here. Uh, and you can also follow Squid Router on on Twitter. You can join our Discord. Uh, we have a link three on on our X profile um, that you can find and and follow along. Awesome! Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Have a nice day. You too.